Hey, everybody. My name is Dr. David Rice. I'm the chief editor of Dentistry IQ, back again with Dentistry Unmasked with Dr. Pam Muniz. As always, how is it going? It's going spectacular. And I must say, I'm pretty darn excited for today. So should we let our viewers and listeners in on what's up? Yes. I feel like there's the, all of these buzzwords going around in the industry. We've got DSOs and consolidation and all of these things that I think people kind of know about. Maybe some people fear, maybe people see it as kind of an end game, you know, when they retire. Um, maybe they think that they're a candidate to consolidate and maybe they are, maybe they're not. And so we're really here to kind of talk about the myths and what does this actually mean and what does this look like for people? So with us today is Chip Fitchner from Large Practice Sales. Chip, welcome. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. We've got so a lot let's to talk just, about, yes. So many Definitely. things. So let's just so get into things. it. So <clears throat> there's a lot of different myths that people maybe think they know about consolidation and DSO partnerships. What would you say is kind of one of the larger ones that we need to debunk today? You know, I, I think what's interesting is many doctors are of the belief that given higher interest rate, non higher interest rates, nonsense in Washington, wars, et cetera, that it has decreased uh, the volume of practice consolidation or has reduced the values that are achieved uh, in transactions. And the reality is it hasn't. Now, we specialize in a, in a segment of the uh, consolidation frenzy, let's call it, called invisible DSO partnerships. And this is where a doctor would sell anywhere between 51 and 80% of their practice for cash up front. The doctor retains ownership in the balance and continues to lead their practice as an owner with their team, their strategy, and full autonomy, not just clinical, but full autonomy for years or decades. And in our world, uh, we set new records last quarter in practice values with a record number of bidders. Yes, there are some bidders that have been shut out due to high interest rates or capital constraints. But the reality is there's so much new capital that has flowed into the U.S. dental practice consolidation, particularly into the invisible DSOs that you've got a record number of bidders paying record new values. Uh, just in the last 90 days, we've achieved new record values for practices of all types, GP and every specialist with just the slight exception of endo. So um, perception may be that things are tough out there and for some groups it is, but there's a whole lot of new money. There's been $10 billion of new capital poured into invisible DSOs in the last 24 months. And that's driving up values. Forget interest rates, doesn't matter. When you have fresh capital, uh, you're still an eager bidder. I, I love that. And, you know, just to kind of frame this conversation for everybody who's listening, and we're going to get you, of course, all chips information later, you did over a billion dollars of business in the last two years. Yes. So this is not like um, a random conversation with random data. This is sound data with a lot of experience. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, I never thought we would see that number, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, an interesting seven years since we started this business, and we fortunately have grown to be the, the biggest advisor uh, to larger practices across the country. We're, we're bigger than the next five guys combined. Uh, but no, it's, it's been interesting. And the, the other interesting thing is the geographical attraction. 
So pre-COVID, the the high geographic concentration of eager, desired areas were uh, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Idaho. And today, all of those states are still eager. You would add South Carolina to that list today. Um, But we're seeing more and more groups interested in spreading out their geographic approach Um, partially, I think, because of COVID, if you were regionally concentrated, you could have been affected more uh, in particular regions than others. New England, New York, for example, got hit pretty hard. So what we're seeing is more and more invisible DSOs look out across the country. Uh, Our highest value GP deal done last year was actually not in any of the hot states, but it was in Michigan. Um, Another high value deal we did, uh, the highest value we've ever done for a perio, uh, was actually done in Arkansas. So uh, so if you're not in one of the hot states, it doesn't mean you still can't get a record value. And that's a big change since COVID. What about this timeline that you keep hearing? People are like, join now, act now, because what's available right now and this money that you're talking about that comes in, isn't there's a timeline to it. Like it, at some point, it's not going to be available and you could miss your opportunity or your window. What's your take with that? You know, I, I think that's true as to, you know, new capital has driven up values. I think you'll continue to see new capital coming into the game. Uh, therefore, I don't think we're going to see a crash in values. We're certainly maybe in the third inning of practice consolidation. The ADA in May came out and said that they believe 13% of all dentists have joined uh, an invisible DSO or sold out to a DSO or dentists are working for either or both, Um, but we're still early in the consolidation game. Capital is still coming into it. Um, I think the window uh, is not closing anytime soon, certainly not in my lifetime. Yes, at the moment, we're seeing a bubble in values because of all the fresh capital. So we might see a a 10% decline in values by the end of this year, but nothing significant. So speaking of the ADA, we hear a lot of people with economic opinions, you know, some of them on a national level, some of them um, beyond dentistry, some within dentistry. And I know the ADA has shared some things that maybe cast a slightly negative light or spin on the economics of dentistry. What do you see? You know, we're lucky in that we focus on larger practices. And so the majority of our practices are growing. Uh, when you look at orthodontics, for instance, um, the I believe the authentic, correct pundits have said that in uh, 22, we saw an 8% reduction in case starts. And in 23, that was followed with another 6% reduction in case starts. But fortunately, the practices that we deal with, you know, have combated that with better marketing, uh, better case acceptance rates. And so our orthodontic clients in general are flat to up. Uh, there are some of the uh, other ortho practices across the country who are actually down. But fortunately, if you have a well-run ortho practice, you have combated that. You know, across the GP landscape, um, you know, everybody is pressured by uh, static reimbursement rates. And certainly their costs have gone up. So we're seeing margin compression uh, where a practice uh, is paying more for just about everything. But if they're uh, heavily insurance-based practices, their reimbursement rates haven't gone up a lot. Um, but, you know, I think in general, even though the ADA came out and said that in 22, 
dental revenues were down about 6%. Uh, the CMS, the federal stats guys, said it was about flat. So I don't know. The data changes, um, and, and, and dentists can answer that question every day uh, in their own financial statements. Sure. So we've been working together for a while. And so I know that you use phrases like IDSO partnerships and specifically partnerships. I think historically people would look at a DSO and think, okay, I want, I'm, you know, three to five years out, let me find one and I can quote unquote sell out to them so that I have this as an end game. And I know when we've communicated, this isn't really I mean, that that model still exists and it's obviously an option for some people. However, a lot of younger doctors are opting for this partnership and kind of staying in it for the long haul. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great model uh, that everybody should understand, whether you're interested in an, in an invisible DSO partnership or not. You should at least understand the model because it's coming to your community and it's coming there quietly. Because an invisible DSO is going to buy 51 to 80% of your practice, but it's still going to be your practice, your brand, your team, your strategy, full autonomy, and yet you're going to benefit from the resources of that partner. So in our last billion dollars of transactions, $150 million of those were for doctors in their 30s. And the reason younger doctors are attracted to an invisible DSO partnership is that they get to continue to lead their practice with their strategies and nobody telling them who to hire, who to fire, what products to use or not use, what labs to use or not use. The invisible DSOs are functionally a silent partner and the doctors get to access the resources of those invisible DSOs. So they get the resources of a big group without being micromanaged or homogenized like they might be in a traditional DSO transaction. So these are truly partnerships. And, you know, and some of the benefits that these doctors are getting in the in the case of the young doctors, it's interesting. I would I would bet the, the majority of my sub 40 year old clients are doing this to shed the administrative burdens of benefits, payroll, accounting, tax, legal, compliance, credentialing, all the stuff that nobody really enjoys. And they get I.T. support and vendor and payer negotiations. And what they get, the young doctors are really most excited about is they shed that half a day a week of administrative minutia and trade it for more time with their young growing families. Um, in addition, uh, the ownership piece that they keep, uh, they get the ability to watch that grow over decades, not years, you know, because ultimately the goal in one of these transactions is yes, uh, monetize a part of your practice, put millions of dollars in your pocket at closing at long-term capital gains tax rates, uh, and certainly offloading the administrative minutiae, getting more time with your family is important. But ultimately, the big value in, in these transactions is when your ownership interest grows uh, over time. So if you're 35 and you have a 25-year horizon, the value of that equity can increase dramatically. So how do you so get out? Sorry, I feel like, you know, they no, talk about it. this and you stay in this partnership and you're, you still own it. But if you don't own the entire thing... How do you leave? Does does the partnership find a dentist for you to take over or are you still kind of pounding the pavement, finding somebody to buy your part? Great question. So the answer is it differs based on the invisible DSO partner that you choose as to how you exit. And there are a couple of different structures that are available to doctors. My favorite one is where the doctor has the ability 
after a predetermined period of time, let's say they sign a, a five-year employment agreement, they have the ability at the, let's call it the 36th month of the initial term of the agreement to say to their partner, hey, I'm done at the end of uh, 60 months. Uh, and so therefore I want you to purchase my equity at its value then 60 months after we did this transaction. And I expect you to write me a check then so that I can leave. And the reason you have that notice period is so that together they can find a replacement for you, the doctor. They're, they're not gonna force you to take anybody. They're gonna work together to recruit and train somebody that will probably start a year before you leave. Uh, so it's a collaborative effort to replace the doctor. It is not the doctor's responsibility to find a buyer for that, what I'll call the leftover equity in a transaction. Um, it, it's how you structure the deal because all of them need an exit strategy. You don't want to be a perpetual minority holder for uh, the rest of your life. You you need an exit strategy and and they exist in all of these transactions. How about when it comes to finding the this type of DSO, this invisible DSO, is there are there um, is there a stable of these DSOs who are seeking this? Is that is that a growing stable of practices that are looking for those opportunities? Dramatically. Um, okay. So, uh, in the last two years, uh, four of our larger transactions were all for larger clients where they actually became the platform for new invisible DSOs. So investors came to us and said, "Hey." We want to get into dental consolidation. Uh, and we'd like to do it by building something rather than buying an existing invisible DSO. And so we have provided our clients in four different transactions where an investor uh, partnered with our client to become the platform practice to go grow an invisible DSO. So I'll, I'll give you an example. We had a great oral surgery practice in 2022, early 22. We partnered them with an investor who had built and monetized other invisible DSOs before. So they had a track record. They knew what they were doing. So our client became the platform practice. And that group uh, last year uh, grew from my clients, 18 million in collections to over a hundred million in collections in less than two years. Um, and so, so the answer is there are about a thousand invisible DSOs and DSOs out there today. Uh, we consider less than a hundred of those qualified to bid on our clients, and you know what it takes to become qualified uh, depends on a lot of different factors. Um, it's not just that you have money; it's who's the money from. We mm -hmm. really like investors who have done this before because there are uh, investors in today's invisible DSOs that have done it five, six, and seven times before. Uh, there's one in particular that we like that just started a new invisible DSO using our client in Missouri as a platform. Uh, and in their case, they've returned over $3 billion to their investors and doctors just in the last nine years from building invisible DSOs and monetizing them. So there are you know, a number of different things to look at to figure out who's qualified and who's not. Uh, money being the number one thing. Do they have it? And is it smart money or is it dumb money? Because there's no shortage of capital. There is shortage of coherent strategies uh, is, is kind of what I say. Um, you know, and some are bigger, some are small. You know, they're invisible DSOs with 10 practices and they're invisible DSOs with 700 practices. And some are regional and some are national. And my favorite comment from the founder of what is today's biggest invisible DSO um, was, you know what, 
I'm geographically agnostic. I am very doctor specific. I will partner with any great doctor, no matter where they are, as long as they're a great doctor and share our growth vision. So a lot of different opportunities and it changes weekly. You know, we, we keep this thing we call the blacklist and the blacklist is the list of all the DSOs or invisible DSOs that we won't do business with. And so last week we had two groups come off the blacklist. Uh, one got a $300 million new credit line, uh, which uh, enabled them to uh, secure their financial future. And the other one got a $400 million new credit line. So those two came off the blacklist and got onto the cream of the crop list, as we call it. And uh, another group, a very large one, one of the one of the largest in the country, ended up on the blacklist last month because they saw a wholesale change in their entire C-suite. So they got a new CEO, a new CFO, a new COO, a new CDO. So their entire C-suite changed. So until we understand what those guys are going to do, we're not comfortable partnering our practices with a group like that. So it, it really does change on a regular basis. Pam, stay off the blacklist. I'll try. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. You say DSOs may or may not qualify to be part of this partnership and, and to work with you guys. But I think a lot of dentists kind of have that philosophic conversation with them. Do I partner? Do I not? When's my timeline? What do I do? But the dental practice also has to qualify. They have to kind of have a portfolio within their practice that is attractive for a partnership. Not everybody can do oh, that. That is true. That is true. So let's talk about the elements of, of what makes an attractive practice to an invisible DSO in our world. Um, first and foremost um, is the size. So uh, in our world, the invisible DSOs like practices, and we are able to achieve you know, record values for practices that have at least a half a million dollars of operating income or EBITDA after paying the doctor. Remember the after the paying the doctor part, because a lot of your CPAs will forget that part, believe it or not. So that's that's sort of um, your ticket to entry. Then uh, one of the most important components today is age of the doctor. Um, as we've had more and more 30 and 40 year old doctors eager to do these transactions, they have functionally crowded out the old guys like me. Mm -hmm. So if you're a 63 year old doctor and you're a single doctor practice, it's pretty possible that no matter how profitable you are, no matter how big you are, no matter how fast you're growing, I can't help you. Uh, now, if you're 55, no problem. Uh, but the six has become a cutoff point. There are multiple invisible DSOs that will not bid on single doctor practices where the doctor has a six in front of their age. And I find that um, uh, rather obtrusive given I'm old. Uh, but it's the reality we deal with. They would much rather practice with a, a partner with a 40-year-old doctor than a 60-year-old doctor. So that's age of the doctor is one of the early questions that I ask, and, and many people are offended by that. And then when I point out I'm old, then they get over it. But uh, next issue is growth. Um, a growing practice, a, especially a rapidly growing practice, is going to get a significantly higher value than a flat practice. And a declining practice today is functionally, in my world, uh, almost unsellable. Uh, what what When do doctors call me and they say, yeah, well, my revenues are down 15% last year, unless we can explain why, and why could be I got hit by a bus and I didn't practice for three months, or I lost an associate, or, or a number of reasons that are explainable. Uh, if they've got declining revenues and I can't explain them very clearly and explain to a, a potential partner 
how it's going to be different in uh, 24, that's a challenge. On the other hand, you give me a practice. We, we did a transaction about six weeks ago for a practice, single doctor owner, multiple associates, one office, 39-year-old doctor uh, practice. We partnered him at a value of $43 million. And part of that was because he grew 22% in 23 versus 22. So growth is a real factor. Some of the other elements that they're looking at today is they're going to look at your payer relationships. And many of these groups today have negotiated higher reimbursement rates uh, from payers than what independent doctors are getting. So in some cases, um, a practice that accepts insurance could have a significantly higher value than one that's fee for service. Because functionally, when you partner with a particular DSO that's getting reimbursed at higher rates, say 20% more in some cases, uh, that's a pretty attractive partnership for the invisible DSO because they know they can turn a switch and automatically increase the profitability and the revenues of that practice by 20% overnight. Uh, so that's something that's becoming significant. And uh, another thing that they look at is team turnover. Practices that are churning through team um, are suspect. Uh, doesn't mean they're not sellable. Doesn't mean you can't find a great partner. But it's something the invisible DSOs are really looking at right now. They, they like uh, solid, uh, non-revolving door practices. So we need some controls in our practice, you know, financial ones, obviously clinical ones we've talked about and systems you've talked about AI. It's kind of a big deal. How is that impacting this space, your world, me as somebody who wants to partner, somebody who's already in that, that position where they're sort of looking for partners? What's the role today? You know, technology is not my thing. I can barely operate some of my iPhone, not all of it. However, um, you know, the invisible DSOs and the DSOs are on the cutting edge of the new technologies. The, the inventors of these technologies uh, are going to them to test them. So the invisible DSOs and the DSOs are getting the first look at all new technologies. They are testing it first. And so they can give you an idea of, of what technologies to adopt or maybe not to adopt yet. Uh, and because they are, are leaders in the category, I'll just give you one example. AI is something everybody is talking about. Um, my little knowledge of it uh, tells me I believe it will ultimately be in a relatively short period of care that every dentist will be providing for their patients. And to give you confirmation of that concept, uh, the biggest DSO in the country, not invisible DSO, uh, is Heartland. And Heartland are some pretty smart guys. They have 1,700 practices across the country, and they'll add another 150 this year. Um, but Heartland is busily rolling out AI to all 1,700 of its practices. Now, this is this is not an easy or a cheap technology to adopt, not that it's that expensive, but uh, when the guys with 1,700 practices are doing it, that tells you something. It must add to profitability. It must add to patient care. And therefore, it's going to be a standard of care, and your practice is going to need to adopt it. And one of the great things about an Invisible DSO partner is they can help you adopt new technologies, and they're certainly paying less for it than you are. So you mentioned increasing patient care. Let's talk about this from the patient's perspective. So say I partner with an in invisible DSO 
And so it's invisible, right? Like, do I even tell my patients? Do they feel blindsided down the road when somebody lets the cat out of the bag? Like, what does that look like from a patient perspective? Well, you know, it's not designed to be a secret. However, there's no announcement made and you're not changing your signage and your girls aren't changing, excuse me, your team members are not changing their uh, their outfits every day. Um, the reality of the invisible DSO becomes your partner. So you're still an owner. It's still your practice. Yes, you brought in a silent partner to help you grow uh, and enable you to offer superior patient care. Um, but th these groups are not going to interact with your patients. They're not going to change your logo. You're not going to be sending the bills out with your parent company's name on it. Um, but your patients are going to benefit uh, from modern technologies. And frankly, they're going to benefit from the fact that you have more time to po to focus on leading your team and focusing on patients rather than worrying about why that one check bounced last month or why Susie's reimbursement on her insurance <laughs> didn't get paid. Um, so I believe that the invisible DSOs ultimately provide better patient care because the doctor's focusing on what the doctor's really good at, which is patient care. You're probably better at fixing teeth than dealing with the IRS. I only tell people, honestly, I only know teeth and dogs. Like outside of that, it's Wait, all. Wait, you said you like had a cat. Whatever. I heard cat earlier. I do have a cat. Yes. Okay. Te teeth and pets. Teeth and okay. four legged. I was going to the cat's left out. Sorry. I know. I'm sorry, Poops. <laughs> I know. She's so pivotal in my life, too. I shouldn't leave her out. It's just the dogs are so like, they just take over, you know, that kind of thing. She's just sort of sailing and she's easy. Yeah. So, okay. My, my wife has four dogs, so I get it. Your wife has four dogs. You don't have four dogs? We, we, we all live <laughs> together, but they're her dogs. <laughs> I call them mine, too, so I get it. <laughs> That's a trifecta. Our house as well. Yeah, no. Gibbs is only keep... mine when he's a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it used to be with my kids. <laughs> That's totally reasonable, I feel. Yeah, right? Did you know I what have... your kid did today? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, Chip, this has been so interesting. And I swear this time just flies by like crazy. But I think that a lot of us, at least you've piqued our curiosity. And I think... Maybe dentists want to know if they're a candidate for a partnership or how do they get more information or, you know, what would be, you know, an interesting next step for people to learn more? You know, I suggest to every doctor, let's let's at least learn something from each other. I, I love to talk to doctors. I do it every day. And I learn something every single day from every doctor I talk to. And so we are happy to provide evaluation for a qualified practice at no cost or obligation. And we start by having a 20 minute conversation with me and doctors can go to largepracticesales.com and you will find a way to uh, sign up uh, to have a conversation with me. Um, and just quick point on that. I had a conversation yesterday with a, with a doctor whose office operates 12 hours a day, seven days a week. He has six chairs and he's doing $7 million in collections just because he effectively utilizes his infrastructure. So you want to talk about a learning experience. I have never talked to a practice that operates seven days a week, and it's a fee-for-service high-end practice. Really wow. interesting. So I love to talk to doctors, set up an appointment, let's have a conversation. I promise we'll both learn something. And um, it's coming, right? The invisible DSOs 
are either in your community today or coming soon, and there's no reason why you shouldn't at least understand them, even if you don't want to join one. I think that's a tremendous point. You know, the, the knowledge is power, friends. So you, you know, grab a phone call with Chip, learn. Maybe it's for you, maybe it's not, but at least you understand. Pam, you want to take us home? Yes. Well, Chip, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. And I always enjoy any time I get with you. So thank you so much. And everybody, join us next week. We can't wait to see you. And and we also want to get feedback from our listeners. So if you love us, review us. If you don't love us, you don't have to. So exactly. So (laughs) we will see you all next week for Dentistry Unmasked. Have a good one. Thank you, doctors. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening to the show this week. And thanks to our guests and sponsors on this episode. Please check out our social media at Dr. Pamela underscore Maragliano and at Dental Economics Official. Or you can check me out at Ignite DDS or at Dr. David Rice. And go to dentaleconomics.com to receive dental economics. You can choose to receive DE in print or digitally, and you can also get the details of our Principles of Practice Management Conference on our website. If you have topics or guests or anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send us an email to dentistryunmaskedpodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our very best to make it happen. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.